Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks, and I'm joined by the Abubakar Kamara to my Chris Kamara. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Justin, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. I've had a bit of an eventful weekend, but it's been an enjoyable one. Yeah, you were involved in a car accident yesterday, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, on the way back from the Blackpool game, someone rear-ended uh, me and my dad. It was interesting. And it's a nightmare then? to get out of as well. Nightmare to get out of and made things even longer. What happened? Someone just came into the back of us and slow moving traffic. Yeah. It was like the, the slowest accident in the world. Nothing rolled oh, over. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it was it was slow. It was slow. Yeah. Did they realise you were in the car and thought this is my chance to get him <laughs> back for all the bad things he said this season? I think Blackpool fans like me, so maybe if was, yeah, perhaps a Bournemouth fan, they might have said. I think a Derby different. fan mainly. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, yeah. On the show this week is Rich Ferraro from eighteen sixty five, the Nottingham Forest podcast. Rich, how are you? Uh, on a personal note, I am recovering from COVID. Uh, on a footballing note, I am absolutely gobsmacked. <laughs> well, I hope you feel better from the COVID, but good to hear you're feeling gobsmacked. Also with us, not long ago since he was last on, but a lot's changed in that time. John Spark from the Bournemouth YouTube channel, Cherry's Red Army. John, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Thank you. You could you could argue I'm very nervous for about 48 hours time, but um, mm. doing OK after yesterday, which was a great result. Yeah, but we'll get on to what's happening in 48 hours' time very shortly because in one minute we'll be talking about Bournemouth and Forest. And welcome to the number one championship-specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. We're going to run through all the championship games from the past weekend, talk about some of the news from the past few days, and then we'll finish off with some grace and tape for late right at the end. So we'll begin with Bournemouth. They won for only the second time in six games away at Blackburn, winning 3-0. John... This had the potential to be a tricky game for the Cherries, but in the end, it wasn't really, was it? Yeah, it really did. Um, you know, Blackburn obviously were coming off the back of a pretty darn good result uh, against Preston. And, you know, with, with Bournemouth's form, admittedly, we've, we're on, you know, something of an unbeaten run at this point. The fact is, is most of those were draws. So knowing that really a, a win was, you know, a win had to be, achieved there uh to to stay within any kind of advantage going into going into the forest game there was a lot of nervousness uh, amongst the Bournemouth fans we really were unsure as, as to what was going to happen and and in the end Parker sort of reverted back to what I think has quite clearly become his strongest what he believes is his strongest side with Billing coming back in and, and us going back to the fourth with that four three three formation and um it was a little bit nervy at the start, I feel, but when Bournemouth sort of got their got got themselves into the game with the first goal, we took control of the match for the vast majority of it. And you know, with Brereton Diaz having two or three decent chances, which were saved by Travers and one hitting the post. Apart from that, we limited them completely and had enough chances to to easily see out the game. And, and obviously, we did with the three 0 victory. So that kind of performance just just makes Bournemouth fans so disappointed at some of the other performances we've had this season as that when we can perform like that and we know we can, um, you know, being from such an advantageous position previously being to three point gap between us and Nottingham Forest is, it, you know, it's, it, it shows what could have been this season as to what, as to what we're currently going through and the nerves that are, are shredding through the Bournemouth fan base at the moment. But, um, you know, that, that was a great day out. It really was. Yeah, absolutely. Dominic Solanke got on the score sheet again. He's now got 29 league goals in the Championship this season. And if it wasn't for bloody Mitrovic, then people like Justin and I will be talking about him a lot more. But he has had a fantastic season, hasn't he? 
Yeah, and think about all the credit that Ivan Tony got last season for his performances. And Ivan Tony got 11 penalty goals, I believe, whereas um, Solanke has got four. So, you know, his his open play um, combinations, I mean, his in particular, him to work with Billing, um, as was today, uh, on Saturday, rather, with um, him setting up Billing for um, for one and, and uh, Billing setting him up for his... Uh, it's it's it, he's been incredible this season to hit 29 goals now have two more games to hit 30 um and break a record that would have been standing on his own um uh, this season had it not been for a pesky um <laughs> pesky mitrovic from fulham uh, who has been outstanding this season and no doubt he would be getting so much more credit this season and the credit that he really deserves because his all-round play has been outstanding this season, and I think it could well if he finished that chance where he beats both Blackburn defenders from his own own flick on, that could have been goal. Of, that was right up there for goal of the season. It really would have been, but unfortunately, I think he ran out of puff and hit it straight at the keeper. But just his link up play, his hard work, his his closing down of defenses, and the fact that he's started every single league game this season to have that kind of stamina and an ability, and barely ever get subbed off, uh, he's been absolutely immense for us, with no doubt. Yeah, definitely. Just in this result officially means Blackburn can't get into the playoffs now and we'll be seeing them again next season in the Championship. The second half of this season has just been very underwhelming for them, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been underwhelming. I think it's a bit of a, a bit of an understatement. It's been frustrating. It's, yeah, the form has been it's dropped off massively. Defensively, they looked good um, before the second half of the season. They, they've started to lead goals. I know they've been missing personnel through injury and they, they have been unfortunate on that front. But at the same time, the squad has been good enough to at least get more out. If you look at Sam Gallagher, has he stepped up in Ben Birch and Diaz's shoes when when um, Birch and Diaz was, was out injured? I don't think he did. So yeah, really, really frustrating Um a season that could, that could have been really, really special for, for Blackburn. I think that's the, the, the saddest thing about it for, for Rovers fans. Yeah, definitely. John, I want to get your thoughts on the big game against Tuesday night. So we'll come back to you shortly. But first, let's talk Forest. They made it nine wins from 10 after thrashing Swansea 5-1. Sam Sorridge scoring a hat-trick. Rich, this Forest side showing no signs of slowing down. It's a funny one, really. We were talking about it in our match report uh, just yesterday and saying you consider that Forest have had injuries just like every other team in the division. Um, Forest had the worst start that they've had in 108 years and after seven games had a point and we were rooted to the bottom of the table. So if we put it in context, Steve Cooper... Um, since he's come in, Forrest have won 75 points in 36 games. And across those 36 games, Forrest have been the form team in the division. And none of us saw that coming. And I know it's something that obviously you guys have talked about quite a lot. And then the other crazy stat, um, I'm not a stats man normally, but um, Colin Murray gave it us last night, which is that we had 30% possession and 17 shots on target, which is the most that any team has managed across all four top divisions in this season and you know what yesterday it could have finished 10 11 12 goals to Forest if it hadn't been for Andy Fisher in the Swansea goal imagine having 17 shots on target and just having 30 percent possession I don't want to do the maths but that's like a shot on target for just under every two percent of possession which is mad when you think about it but it just goes show possession doesn't really matter in football that much anymore does it um Let's talk Sam Surridge, because when Forrest signed him in January, I thought it was a bit of a strange signing. One, because I didn't think they particularly needed him. Two, his goal record elsewhere hasn't been amazing, but he's got five goals in his last four. What have you made of him, Rich? Uh, well, funny enough, Baz off our podcast, he, he texted into our WhatsApp group yesterday at half-time, Surridge is having a mare. And of course, what better way to uh, to counter that than for Surridge to score his first goal just two minutes into the second half. And... The, the amazing thing about Surridge, firstly, just in terms of context, Forrest did need to sign him as a last-minute addition because Lewis Graben had just got crocked and Graben's played, I think, about about 80 minutes um, since since January. So we needed another striker. And then, of course, with Keenan Davis getting injured as well, um, the Surridge signing has proved to be very astute. Now, for £2 million, I guess it was one of those... 
it's a gamble, but there's nothing to lose. It's, it's worth it to get the extra bodies on board. Now, the thing that I've been absolutely astonished by, and I have no idea if John has any thoughts on this, and I have no idea if um, uh, people like, uh, you, you know, the Stoke fans, if they've got any any views on this, but Surridge is quite possibly one of the best finishers I've seen in about 20 years. He just always looks like he knows where the target is. And when you consider his goal record was patchy before he came to the city ground, the level of confidence that he shows, and as well as the level of um, of aptitude he shows when there's a sniff of goal, is just something else entirely. A better finisher than Apostolos Velios. I'm not sure about that, Rich. Well, um, you know, <laughs> there's, there's, it, it, I've seen many, many things over the last 30 years of watching football. Nicholas Bentner, come on now. I think you're getting carried away. Um, Daddy, if you want to go back that far. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Quick word on Swansea, Justin. 13 goals conceded in the last four. Is this a case of Swansea having their sunnies on, sun cream on, towel under their arm? Yeah, I think so, isn't it? Uh, I think... The position based, the possession based football, it, it does work in, in some senses, but there, there can be gaps. And when you come up against a team like Forest, who are in the form that they are, um, and they go two or three nil up, and you still don't change your style of play. I'm not saying there has to be a plan B because I don't believe in the plan B aspect, but there should be some change from Russell Martin. So I think he's got a lot of work to do to get this team firing to get them up the league. But yeah, they certainly are on the beach, aren't they? It's, it's quite astonishing how, how relentless Forest were yesterday. It was incredible. Well, both teams winning this weekend sets us up very nicely for the thigh rubber on Tuesday night. Bournemouth v Forest. The Cherries are three points ahead, but Forest have a slightly better goal difference. Rich, with your boys in such stellar form heading into this, you must be fancying your chances. Uh, of course, there's that bit where every single person in Nottingham who wears a red shirt are going, we can do this. What's quite interesting is the fact that I think the majority of the fan base and certainly the impression I get from the team, the manager and the club as a whole is just, you know what, whatever will be, will be. We just do what we do and not concentrate too much upon what other people are doing. So it's a nothing to lose situation. Um, We've got a playoff place. Again, given the start that we had, that that was unimaginable. The idea of getting automatic promotion is is just utopian so what can i say if it happens then it would be surely one of the greatest achievements in championship history if it doesn't we've still had an amazingly good season um way beyond our wildest dreams so it's a very very unusual situation um because it's both teams have got it in their hands (laughs) both teams have got it in their control if you win then you're the you're the team in the driving seat um of course Bournemouth have got an advantage because if they win, then that's it. Whereas if Forest win, it still goes down to that last day. Um, The only thing I would say, and I'd be interested in what John has to say about this, is um, that Scott Parker 1 million percent interview. I'm sure I'm not the only person who is dragging up my Kevin Keegan screenshot to uh, put on social media. (laughs) John, how are you feeling heading into this? Yeah, it's um, it's interesting, Rich, talking about sort of how Forest have come from almost nothing to then reach this point, and basically anything from now on is is a bonus, really. And even if they make the playoffs, you you certainly have them as favourites to um to go up through the playoffs. Whereas for Bournemouth, at the start of our season, I had us as fourth. I thought that's where we were about ready to be. Obviously, Sheffield United and West Brom fell off, so we took second place almost automatically by January. Everyone's saying we don't go up automatically. It's basically almost a failure at this point. And we've just about held on at this stage. It's been nervy. It's been difficult. And I think a lot of Bournemouth fans would probably say it hasn't been fun to watch at all for a large majority of this season. I would prob- I was talking to someone saying, like, when was the last time a team that was this sort of almost nailed on to go up or to go up in a decent position, the fans was this unenthused by the team? and by the manager. And it was probably Fulham under Parker. (laughs) It was maybe the last time that happened. I don't know when it would have been before that. It's not that Parker hasn't done things right at times. You've got to look at the Blackburn game. You look at Huddersfield 3-0, Coventry 3-0, Bristol City 3-2 flat at Bristol. That was a great game. There's been a lot of good performances from Bournemouth. It's just that there's been a lot of very bad ones as well. And 
our record against the the teams that came up is the main reason why we're in this position. One win, one loss, and four draws against the three teams that came up um, from League One. On the flip side of that, against the teams in the top half of the table, we've only lost once at home, I think, against the, yeah against Blackburn. Blackburn are the only team that have beaten us at home out of the teams that are currently in the top half of the table. Out of the teams that are in currently in the top six, we've only lost one game, and that was looting away. Against the others, our home record is um, three three wins and a draw. Fulham, Fulham drew with us and the other two lost to us. So against the teams that come on to us and attack us, we have a good record. It's the teams that sit back and defend that we struggle to break down. And that's why, as much as I am incredibly nervous about this Forest game, you know, looking at it tactically, as long as Parker doesn't overthink this, which he massively did against Swansea, and managed to just fluke his way out of that one. You know, we're in a good position. We've got a good team. We play with the confidence that we played against Blackburn. We are in a good spot. And, you know, two draws will do it for us. We draw against Forest and we draw against Millwall. We go up. If we draw against Forest, we're in the driving seat. So there is still a lot large favour for us. We we are in the we are have the advantage. But when you're going up against a team that have got nine minutes out of ten. How do you stop a runaway train? And that's what Parker's got to deal with on Tuesday. Yeah, Justin for us, the neutral. It's great, isn't it? It's basically an early playoff final. It's got to be one of the biggest games we've seen in the normal season in Championship history, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, without doubt. I'm just, I'm grinning with excitement just hearing these two guys just chatting away and making their points. It is, it is incredible. Um, and it's, yeah, it's nice as a neutral to be sat here and, what a game we've got on our hands. And as you say, John makes a good point. You don't know which Bournemouth team you're going to get. Whereas with Forest, you know what you're expecting, which is why so many people will swing with Forest, which is what makes this game so so interesting. But yeah, it's, it's incredible. And I, I can't stop smiling. It's going to be good. It's going to be a very good week, interesting week. <laughs> it definitely is. John and Rich, thank you for now. We'll come back to you both later to play Simon Grayson's Hate for Late. In the meantime, Justin and I are heading around the grounds and we'll begin with Huddersfield, who are heading into the playoffs at a canter after winning 2-1 away at Coventry. Brady Frost is from the Huddersfield podcast and he takes that chance. Brady, how was the game? Yeah, I was really uh, impressed with the performance, to be honest with you. Um, Coventry are a good side. Um, I remember when we played them back at the John Smiths um, earlier in the season, it, it finished 1-1 Coventry, getting a late goal as they always do. But um, they absolutely battered us that day and we, we deserved to lose, really, if it wasn't for Lee Nichols. So, um, yeah, no, really impressed, um, you know, because we'd already made the playoffs. You don't know how how we're going to play. Um, although we've seen that under Carlos, he wants to get as many points as possible. But um, yeah, commentary a good side. They caused us a couple of problems. But I think um, yesterday was kind of a, an example of we deserve to be where we are on the table, which is fourth, because we're, we're hard to beat, hard to break down, and we can take our chances when we need them. Uh, I thought Tino Andrew was great. Obviously, came on and made a big difference, Got the, scored the penalty to make it 2-0. Um, yeah, just really pleased. You know, another three points and... I think let's just um, keep pushing and see how many points we can get. Yeah, Brady, of course, Huddersfield have already secured their playoff place. How are you feeling heading into them? I'm uh, I'm feeling quietly confident, to be honest with you. Um, I'll get as many cliches in as I can. Playoffs are a lottery. Um, there's a lot of good teams in there, which which is true. But, um, you know, you look at the table, the teams, the only teams that have lost um, less games than us are, are Bournemouth and and Fulham. Um, I think we're really hard to beat, which is which is good, um, you know, particularly in the playoffs. And I, I do think we've got options, you know. Um, I mean, who knows? Like, you know, it could all be over after two semi-finals. But I think um, I've certainly noticed this in the fan base as well, and I, I kind of do feel this self. Um, it's just been a fantastic season. You know, whatever happens, I think, you know, obviously it'd be disappointing to lose in the semi-final or even the final. But I think it's just been an incredible season. And because we were there five years ago, that felt like our chance that we had to take, whereas this is, I think there's a bit more time has passed and we can just appreciate it's a good season. But yeah, no, I think we'll, whoever we play, we'll give um, give a good account of ourselves and, you know, fingers crossed. And Brady, say the worst does happen and Huddersfield don't get promoted this season. Do you think you'll be able to go again next season? Yeah, I think that's a really tricky question, Ryan. You know, um, I look at Barnsley as kind of a bit of a warning, really, because, you know, like us, team last season, unexpectedly, in the playoffs, weren't fancy before, had a really good manager, 
uh, and their best player in Alex Merritt both left in the summer. Um, and, you know, if that happens to us, I think, I think that would be difficult. It's hard to say. I think Carlos has done a fantastic job. Um, you know, I predicted a 17th this season, so the lowest we can finish is fourth. So absolutely brilliant what happens. I, I would just hope um, that he can be back to go again because as we've proven this season, it's not, you know, we haven't signed anyone for any money. You know, they've all been free transfers or loan deals. So you don't have to compete with the likes of Bournemouth and Fulham in terms of spending to be competitive in this league. So I would hope that Carlos can stay in Dean Hoyle gives him the money to back him and go again. And who knows, you know, this league is so unpredictable. But I would feel confident if they, you know, invested in him and, you know, gave him the, the players to continue his work because he's been fantastic. Cheers, Brady. Just in this result is all Huddersfield can really do at this stage, isn't it? It's just about keeping momentum going into the playoffs. Yeah, it's momentum, performances, um, getting players match ready, match fit, getting them game time as, as and when they need it. You look at um, Tino and Jornin who had to come in and obviously took the penalty to, to make it or, or to give Huddersfield their second. Yeah, it's about giving players time um, uh, um, and obviously getting getting results at the same time as well. But this was a fairly good performance. Coventry created a lot of a lot of chances. So it'd be something that they will want to look at that, um, you know, Corbrand wanting to get rid of that habit that they, they do sometimes rely on Lee quite a lot but at this stage in this season where teams are sort of taking the foot off the gas it's to be expected Well Lee Nichols had a good game didn't he he had to make some really important saves what a goal from Harry Toffolo a left back <laughs> doing that with his weaker foot yeah. from 25 yards out is just astonishing but Huddersfield absolutely flying right now they've actually won five from the last six and if it wasn't for Forrest They'd be seen as the form team out of all the sides who could be in the playoffs in a week's time. But certainly ticking over nicely, whatever the case, they could mathematically still get in the top two as long as they score 20 goals away at Bristol City next weekend. So we'll have to wait and see how they do on that one. <laughs> but all looking good for Huddersfield as they head towards the inevitable playoff battle. Justin, let's move on. Sheffield United gave their playoff hopes a big boost by winning 3-1 away at QPR. The limbs when that Jack Robinson goal went in was just sensational you know I love a header as well and that was that was thumping I thought it was going to take the keeper's head off Paul Murphy in the goal I, th- I thought it was a goner that was such an incredible header um, and yeah it, it, when you get to that point in the game where almost every attack it doesn't feel like you're going to get that second or even that first at times um, and then when you do it's it's an incredible relief feeling of relief that's what celebrating is about isn't it as a supporter especially a long trip, um, a long trip to London or a long way trip. Um, but yeah, it was almost inevitable that Sheffield United were going to win just because of how relentless they were going forwards. Every set piece, every every time they they, they got into that final third, you, you knew something was going to happen. But eventually, it told. And obviously, Jack Robinson's goal was incredible. Conor Hurahan's third, yeah, that was that was a beauty as well. I was very impressed with Sheffield United. I thought yeah. it was the best performance I've seen from them in a while because they have been a bit lacklustre recently, but mm-hmm. this is really, really good for them. Illaman Ndiaye, he's found some form. Three goals in his last four, which is much needed in the absence of Billy Sharp and just having someone who yeah. is scoring goals is all Sheffield United have really needed because defence has not been a problem at all, has it? Overall, I've come away from this game feeling a lot more confident about Sheffield United getting into the playoffs and actually doing well in the playoffs should they get there. I don't know about you, Justin. Yeah, it's quite difficult with games like this because it felt like they had to give that performance Um, and they will have to give it in the next game as well against Fulham. But it felt like they had to do that just to give themselves something going into the final game because obviously if if they didn't pick up the three points and borrow it to win, then it just puts the pressure on them a lot more. But I think going into Fulham, we'll, we'll know a lot more, obviously, once that final whistle goes. But certainly the mentality in that second half does give you a lot of confidence that Sheffield United could do something. Yeah, definitely. And as long as they've got someone like Ndai who's scoring goals and they keep it as solid as possible at the back, then they'll be... Uh, they'll be a difficult side to beat in the playoffs, won't they? Should they get there? After. Yeah. I keep emphasising that point. If they have Billy Sharp back, even better, because he has been so important to them this season. So plenty of positives for Sheffield United, considering not too long ago I was getting a bit worried about them. Keeping our fans, we'll talk more about the Warburton situation in the news a bit later on. So as far as challenges go for Sheffield United and the playoffs, Middlesbrough are pretty much the last team standing. They beat Stoke 3-1. A fairly straightforward win for Borough, but also a vital one, Justin. 
Yeah, absolutely. It was vital. They had to they had to put performance in. They had to put their chances away, which is something that Borough have struggled with in recent games. Um, but if you look at the first goal, for example, it was a brilliant team goal and almost wild the ball at, the, at, at its best. You've got wing backs stretching, uh, stretching the opposition. You've got House and running through and, and threading the ball through for um, I can't remember. It was Crooks, wasn't it? Yeah, Crooks who scored. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was a, a really good goal and 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 it allowed Middlesbrough to build upon that. Um, and Stoke didn't really offer too much uh, in in response, which again emphasises how good Borough can be both going forwards and and defensively as well. And I thought Tavernier at left wing back really added something else going forwards as well for for Middlesbrough. So yeah, really good all round display. And, I think we need to give a shout out to Luke Daniels as well. Um, I know I'm going on a bit, but Luke Daniels has really calmed things down after the Joe Lumley errors. Um, uh, so he deserves a lot of credit. Do you not see the goal he conceded? Yeah, it's a mix up, but he, the game was home and hose by that point. I think it was it a mix what I'm up. To say. It's straight down his throat and he's parried it straight to the opposition striker. He's better than Lumley. That's what I'm trying to say. I don't think the standard's particularly high there. <laughs> I, I think it is amazing, really, that Middlesbrough have managed to get this far in the season when they've got two goalkeepers who are just not great. And it's no surprise for me at all that they're reportedly looking to strengthen there because it's clearly a problem area. Obviously, they can't do anything about it now heading into the playoffs, so they just have to hope for the best, really. Playoffs then, Justin, what we're saying at this stage. Luton aren't guaranteed, but I'd be very surprised if they don't get there. Are you the same as me? Yes and no. If you if you look at goal difference, there's not too much between Middlesbrough, Luton and Sheffield United. Um, obviously, Luton have got to pick something up against Fulham, which is going to be difficult because Fulham also need to pick something up to, to wrap up the title. So, yes. Uh, keep, in mind, keep in mind, I know. Luton, Luton have got Reading last day of the season. And obviously, we'll get on to Reading later. But if their <laughs> performance against West Brom is anything to go by, then I don't think Luton have got anything to worry about. Luton have essentially... If they get something against Fulham, they're pretty much there, in my opinion. If Even if they don't, three points settles it instantly. So I, I, that's why I think Luton are just about there. I'm, I'm, I'm going up and I'm holding my hands up and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to commit to saying anything just because, firstly, I'll jinx it 100%. And also, I don't, I don't think things are that straightforward, especially in the Championship. I really don't think things are that straightforward. And we've seen time and time again teams surprise other teams, especially when playoffs are involved. I think Reading did it to Derby quite a few years ago. So, But keep in mind, Luton would have to get a poorer result than Sheffield United for them to go above them. And then Middlesbrough would also have to win as well. So there's a it's lot not, of variables. It's not done until it's done. That's all I'm saying. Oh, okay, okay. You're very, <laughs> very sceptical, I can see. Um, well, Sheffield United's the interesting one, isn't it? They've got Fulham last day. Middlesbrough away at Preston. Middlesbrough have to win to stand any chance of mm-hmm. getting into the top six. Um, if Sheffield United draw, Middlesbrough have got to win by two goals. So plenty of mathematics that needs to be done. Um, what, what are you thinking, Justin? <laughs> Firstly, the maths hurts. Um, <laughs> but again, you, you, Middlesbrough have got to go away to Preston, as you say, and, and get something. Preston are a, a very... They can blow hot and cold under Ryan Lowe and obviously Middlesbrough will be pushing and pushing and pushing and again, if they're as relentless as they have been in the past, then they will pick something up. And again, Sheffield United, you're hoping Fulham have been on the piss all week. You're hoping they've, they, you're hoping they've been on the uh, the cider all week and um, no, no, they're not quite on it. But again, Middlesbrough is very outside. Uh, there are chances, they're outside chances. They're relying on teams dropping points whereas Luton and Sheffield United have got games that they've got to pick up points in as well. I, I think it's incredibly difficult to call, but I wouldn't be surprised to see it finish as it is now. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking. Um, and then if Middlesbrough don't win against Preston as well, then there's the mathematics about who's going to play who in the playoffs as well, <laughs> which well, I think will be interesting for those who are already booked in for that. Um, but of course, it is looking like it is going to be down to Sheffield United and Middlesbrough. Of course, Sheffield United well in the driving seat there with a two-point cushion. And Fulham as well, it's got to be said, many will think that's a tricky game for the last day of the season, but Fulham been struggling recently. They only got the one win from five and a Sheffield United point should be just about enough unless Middlesbrough absolutely obliterate Preston. Um, so, yeah, it's well up in the air, but it looks like it will be as it is now. But 
well, who knows? We've seen crazier things on the last day of the season, haven't we, with regards to the playoffs. Justin, let's take a quick break. After that, we'll talk about Millwall's slim chances of getting in the playoffs and a load of games which mean absolutely nothing. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. Millwall 3, Peterborough nil. The result keeps alive Millwall's hopes of a top six finish. All they need to happen is Sheffield United to lose to Fulham, Middlesbrough not to win against Preston. Millwall will then have to win away at Bournemouth and hope a six-goal swing happens between them and Sheffield United. So, entirely plausible, Justin. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the simple maths. I think Millwall, again, like I was saying before the break, you can't rule anything out until it's done. It's, you know, it's not done until it's done. Again, actually, it adds an interesting variable for Bournemouth, obviously. With Are you being um, serious right now? <laughs> I, I'm being half serious, yeah, because I don't think it's a big goal swing. Not like um, the Huddersfield getting into the top two. It's not like a 15-goal swing. Um, I don't think you can rule out Fulham walking over Sheffield United, Middlesbrough losing, and then Millwall winning 2 or 3 nil. Again, there's a Scott Parker Against side. Bournemouth? Who, they bottle it. I know, I know three, Bournemouth they can, are a dodgy side, but how often have they considered, conceded two or three goals? I, I'm, I'm just amazed. Swansea just the other week. Swansea just the other week. And how dangerous Millwall are from set pieces as well. They'll make it very, very uncomfortable for Bournemouth. And if you get one or two, um, if you get the first one quite early in the game, I don't see why Millwall can't pick up another couple as well, especially against a, a defence who will, they won't enjoy the physical battle that Millwall will present. I'm just okay, saying. You, you, you can keep getting on your handle <laughs> saying it's still possible, but I think even the most optimistic Millwall fan is accepting that this is very unlikely for them to happen. But Justin can stand there with his tin hat on, waving around <laughs> placards saying it's still very much possible. But even if Millwall don't get into the playoffs, it's been a very successful season for them, hasn't it? Even if they finish, I mean, if they finish above Middlesbrough, I should say, then it'll be their highest league finish in 20 years, Justin which I think mm-hmm. is a remarkable achievement for Gary Rowett, considering as well, for most of the season, it didn't look like this was going to be a particularly spectacular season for Millwall. Yeah, yeah. I think at one point we were angling for the draw record, which was quickly banished um, from, from the thinking with, with Millwall. But they, they are a good side and they have missed the talisman Jed Wallace for periods throughout the season as well and obviously he's been he's a difference maker you, you look at the amount of games Millwall have drawn he could have been a difference in, in in those games um so yeah it has been a good season I think it would be really disappointing and frustrating if they can't build upon it because if if they do win and they lose out on goal difference for example if you go they're going into the final day of the season with a chance of finishing the playoffs that's 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 a big success it's a massive success for for a club like Millwall who don't have the budget that the likes of Sheffield United and, uh, and Middlesbrough do so yeah, it is a great season and you just hope that they can build upon it. It's going to be difficult to lose key players, but the opportunity is there. Yeah, spot on. This performance for Peterborough goes completely against the grain for Posh in their recent performance, mm. doesn't it? I don't really know what's happened there, but it, but it wasn't great, it's got to be said. Let's move on. One of the meaningless scorelines which caught the eye for me was Bristol City 5, Hall nil. A bit of a strange game, actually, because the two sides had the same amount of shots and... Bristol City weren't even in the top six for expected goals this weekend in the championship. So one might say the scoreline perhaps flattered Bristol City a bit, just looking at it from a statistical point of view. But the last goal by Andy Vyman, just an extra sauce on that ship. That was a real, real beauty. Chef's kiss straight out (laughs) of that. And we've mentioned him a few times, haven't we? But he's had a truly remarkable season. 32 goals he's either scored or assisted. It's incredible. It's ridiculous, isn't it? He's a player who has always been renowned for being a hard-working, unselfish, energetic player, never a goal scorer. But since he's been at Bristol City, I think I want to say he's hit double figures every season. Um, apart from last season, I think he picked up his ACL injury. He's, he's, been, he's been incredible this, this season. And that front three, Chris Martin, Anton Semenya and Andy Vyman, arguably one of the best front threes in a division, maybe the best front three in a division in terms of goals and assists. Um, and if you take that into next season, if they can carry that on, then I don't think you can, based on the goals that they score, I don't think you can rule Bristol City. It's going to sound outlandish. I don't think you can rule out Bristol City making a top six push if they can get things right throughout the pitch. They dropped a lot of points for winning positions. 
those points are the difference between finishing the top six. So what I'm saying is if they can get the defence fixed and be a bit more controlling in games, the front three is fine. That's that's what I'm saying. I raised my eyebrows there because I've been kind of penciling in Bristol City as a possible relegation battle candidate for next season just because they look like they're a side regressing as opposed to a side progressing. But undeniably, if they do get the same return from the front three that they've had this season, then they'll be safe as houses, you'd have thought. But my worry is, is this going to be a flush in the pan season for Andy Vyman? Because his previous high, his previous highest goal tally for a season is 10. And considering he's got 22 this season, there isn't much really to show for him doing it again next season. So I'm worried about that. And also whether Semenu stays or not, I'm not really too sure. There's a lot of question marks about Bristol City. So I I can't say for sure where exactly they're going to finish next season, but I'm still a bit worried about them, I've got to say. Derby got only their third win of the season, a third away win of the season, I should say, after beating Blackpool 2-0. Malcolm Abiaway scored his first senior goal, as did Aaron Cashin. Wayne Rooney has been leaving out players recently who likely won't be at the club next season, which does make sense. And I was looking at this, Justin, thinking if Derby keep together most of the side that played against Blackpool, they can definitely challenge near the top of League One. Only issue is we have absolutely no idea who's actually staying or going. Yeah, exactly. It's Everything's up in the air with Derby until the takeover's, takeover's complete, as we all know. Um, I, I would disagree with you. I don't think that team is, is good enough to compete at the top end of the uh, of League One. I'm just thinking the amount of teams in League One next season or potential teams, you know, the likes of Sheffield Wednesday, Sunderland, maybe MK Dons as well, Plymouth looked really good up, up until up until they lost 5-0 to MK Dons and dropped out of the playoffs. Then there's Ipswich and Portsmouth as well. So there are a lot of really good teams who, who Derby will have to do a lot against and I don't think they create enough chances. They need they need extra bodies in. So I, I'll disagree with you. I think they, they can do fairly well, but that team needs adding to. Of course it needs adding to. I don't think anyone's denying that. But if, for example, say Derby had a team next season that had Erin Cashin, Malcolm Obiwe, Ravel Morrison, Louis Sibley... Maybe Max Bird if he stays, Curtis Davis, Craig Forsyth, Jason Knight. That's a good team in League One. Doesn't create enough. It just for me, it doesn't create enough chances for them to to put them away. And they're relying on no disrespect. I love Curtis Davis, but they're relying on Curtis Davis, who is thirty six, thirty seven years old, um, uh, and obviously Aaron Cashin, who's who's a youngster as well. Two two players, neither of them in their peak. Um, at the opposite end of their careers, so I'm a, I'm a bit more sceptical. Um, yeah, I think it's just it's down to that. And as I say, they don't create enough chances for me. Looking at that game yesterday, the two chances that they did create came with the goals. That's all they created. I think if they do keep together the players, I've just said then they'll definitely be near the top of League One. Not saying winning it or getting promoted, but at least playoff challenge at the very least. Because that side, the likes of Ravel Morrison in League One will be a serious, serious player. Jason Knight and Max Bird should not be nowhere near League One, but they might stay. Don't know. They're contracted to next season if Knight has his contract extended with the optional deal thing. But that's a good team to have in League One. And of course, a lot needs to be added because we've already got so many players contracted for next season, but that would be a very, very good side. I can assure you of that. Barnsley 1, Preston 3. What a goal for Daniel Johnson, Justin. That was a classic, nothing to play for here, so I'm just going to try something, and it ended up going in the top bin. A really, really nice goal from him. Um, Middlesbrough fans will be interested to know how Preston did here, considering they've got them on the last day of the season. It was certainly a lot better than against Blackburn, wasn't it? Well, that's it. I think that's why it gets a little bit more difficult for Middlesbrough, because whilst other teams are on the beach and... Preston is certainly one of those teams that have been on the beach for a while. That that defeat to Blackburn, I think Ryan Lowe, <laughs> Ryan Lowe would put fireworks up their asses, wouldn't he? Which which makes it very difficult because you look at the two performances here against against Barnsley. I know it's Barnsley. I know they're down. I know they're not nothing to nothing to play for. Um, but they were miles ahead of them, and I think Ryan Lowe want to get his team up for this for the game against Middlesbrough as well to show what they can potentially do next season under him. Um, essentially a lot of those players might be playing for their futures as well at Preston under Ryan Lowe. So they have to go out and put in a, a, a big shift, a big performance um, like they did here against Barnsley. This was slightly better from Barnsley, but still not great. And it's further evidence that it's difficult seeing them bouncing back straight away next season, isn't it? And they're now definitely going to finish bottom of the championship this season, which I think is 
dreadfully sad, Justin, considering this side were in the playoffs last season and now they're finishing rock bottom of the league this season, despite two teams having points deductions. One of them with a 21-point deduction. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it is, it is strange. Um, and it's it'd be interesting to see what direction Barnsley go in as well, because if you look at the likes of Struber, Ishmael and Shop to some extent... Style of play was uh, and Stendhal uh, and Stendhal style of play was quite consistent in a high press, slightly more direct football, organised defensively, three at the back as well. Um, so it'd be interesting to see whether they they follow suit with that, get a uh, manager with a similar style, or they completely rip the rule book up. It no no idea because I don't think the board have any idea what they're doing either. No, no, and it says a lot about the regression of the club as a whole when you've gone from playoff to bottom of the table, and mm. says that the people at the club right now aren't as clued up as the people who were there before and that's worrying for Barnsley heading into League One next season. West Brom won 1-0 away at Reading just the Albion's second away win this calendar year which is pretty crazy when we were considering them as playoff contenders or even promotion contenders earlier in the season. Judging from Reading's performance here I don't think Luton will have too much to worry about on the last day of the season. They didn't manage a single shot on target in this game when you're at home against a very inconsistent West Brom side. Um I was very interested to hear that West Brom's lowest league finish in 22 years is this season, Justin. How would you sum up this season? It's been just a disaster, hasn't it? Do you ever get so frustrated at a football match that if there's a spare seat next to you, like, you don't resort to any signs of aggression, but you just flip the seat really hard? Um, do you ever, no? I'm not a very aggressive man, so I don't do it personally, but I, I could see why, why you do that. There are times where you just flip the seat really hard. And it, it's, it's been one of those seasons for West Brom. Every mischance, every misplays pass. And when we say every mischance, well, if, if West Brom put chances away, they, they could be top of the league or, or in the, the, the top four, top six. Um, I know they've been one of the highest creators of chances in the league this season. Good chances as well. Um, so every single mischance, that's, that's what's cost them. It's been chronic underperformance from those at the top end of the pitch because defensively they have been good enough. They have been good enough. Um, so, yeah, it's it's just pure frustration because you look at what they could have been and where they have been and where they finished the season. It's disappointing and, yeah, as I say, seat-bashing frustration for West Brom. <laughs> yeah, I was just looking at them on expected goals. According to InfoGoal, they would have finished fifth in the table if expected go. goals meant anything. So, yeah, that says a lot about the chances they've created. The confidence in the side just completely evaporated, didn't it? And doesn't seem to have got particularly much better in the second half of the season the strikers just there isn't a confident striker there apart from Carl and Grant and when you're relying on just one striker to provide all your goals it's a problem isn't it and that's something that Steve Bruce has got to remedy next season otherwise it, it won't be get much better unfortunately for them and final game is Cardiff 1 Birmingham 1 only thing I've got down on this game is what a penalty by Will Volks absolutely thundered it into the top corner you love to see it Otherwise, this game was a meeting between two sides who would have been involved in a relegation battle had it not been for points deductions. And also two sides, I think, could be in trouble next season. Anything you want to add, Justin? No, just just more on Will Volks, actually. I, can he finesse anything? That's not a criticism. I've only ever seen him put his foot through things, apart from passes. I can tell you, I can tell you one thing, he, he can finesse a backflip because he loves doing that as a celebration, doesn't he? It is superb. The final game from this weekend is Fulham v Luton, which is on Monday night. Fulham can secure the title with a win, while a win for Luton would mean they're definitely in the playoffs. Right, now it's time for this. Yes, it's time for the news and QPR have confirmed Mark Warburton will leave in the summer. His contract is expiring after three seasons at the club. Chief exec Lee Hoos says they want to have a fresh start next season. This isn't a huge surprise, Justin. There's been speculation over his job for weeks now. But what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, it's, it is interesting and I can see why the club want to freshen things up. It is a risk. I understand why the supporters might be concerned that they're going away from a safe pair of hands and potentially going in and getting another new manager and it might not work out, etc. I understand why um, why they might be a little bit um, apoplectic about it, but I think it probably is the right decision as to where QPR are now. Um, QPR have, have got a little bit of surgery they need to do to their squad. They've got an ageing front line in Andre Gray and Charlie Austin. Apparently they're both leaving. 
they will need to add to that. They will need to add more depth to this team. And I think giving the reins to a new manager might spark them into life next season because it is a top six team, in my opinion. They have fallen short of where I expected them to be. Uh, and I think, yeah, freshening things up and giving them a new spark might be the, the, the way forward for them. Hmm. I don't think anyone's denying Mark Warburton's done a fantastic job at QPR, getting them from lower mid-table, even relegation battling side, relegation, to yeah. one challenging for the top six is a remarkable achievement. And I think he's a brilliant manager at doing that, getting you from you know the lower end of the table up to the top end of the table. Mm-hmm. I think he's brilliant at that, but I think you need someone else to get you over the line. And there's been a bit of a mixed reaction to Warburton leaving from QPR fans. Um, and I think... If QPR want to get into the Premier League, then they've got to get someone else in. There's plenty of good managers out there right now who have experience in doing that in the past. And I think they'd probably be better suited at it than Mark Warburton. But I think full respect to him, he's done a sterling job in the time that he's been at QPR. And I think he'll uh, leave with the best wishes from plenty of QPR fans as well. So from one championship boss leaving to another one who's looking likely, Blackburn manager Tony Mowbray says he's not had any discussions over a new contract. His deal expires in the summer and speaking in the week, he said it looks like he's leaving. I thought it was interesting what he was talking about, actually, Justin, because he was saying he's got a work-life balance to deal with and his son was seven when he took over at the club. He's now going to be a teenager soon and he's barely seen him. And I think it shows his humility and it's a reminder that football managers are human beings, which is mm-hmm. often forgotten by, you know, mouth foaming fans on Twitter after every after every poor result. But looking at it from a football point of view, Mowbray leaving. What do you think? Yeah, it's 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 really sad because I was actually thinking about it um, all, all day yesterday in the car on the way to the football. Um, uh, and and when he took over Blackburn, they were in free fall, in my opinion. They were they were crashing. They were terribly run um, from the owners right from top to bottom and he galvanised everything and he got them playing really good football at the same time and if you look at the managers in the past Owen Coyle Steve Keane uh, Gary Bowie Michael Apperton Henningberg really uninspiring list isn't it and Tony Mowbray comes in possibly falls into that uninspiring category but he, he completely changes the fortunes of the club and he turns them he, he takes them from a, a sort of a free fall position and, and turns them into a team competing to get into the top six. I think I think it's remarkable. And as well as that, his ability to develop players as well, I think goes under the radar massively. He's, the, the players that he's developed at, at Blackburn his time is, yeah, what he's done with them is, is, is incredible. Again, not with the biggest of budgets, decent budget, but not with the biggest one either. Yeah, I think Mowbray is another one who's done a really good job. He's actually quite similar to Mark Warburton in a way, hasn't he? Because he's taken the club from League One up to playoff challenging side only concern for me is I think QPR are in a better position than Blackburn so Blackburn gambling at this point is interesting and the managers you were just mentioning then Tony Mowbray is pretty much the only good appointments the Venkies have made in the time they've been at the club and that's worrying because I personally and I think many Blackburn fans are of the same opinion I wouldn't trust the Venkies with making the right appointment here so it's going to be interesting to see who they get in next and where the club goes from here. But I think every Blackburn fan will have full respect for Mowbray and the job that he's done there. If they want to get to the Premier League, maybe it's similar to Mark Warburton where you need a different manager because I don't, I can't see Mowbray doing that personally. But I, I'm sceptical to say the very least whether the Venkies will be able to get in the right man to do that so we'll have to wait and see we now know one of the teams joining us from the Premier League Justin it's Norwich City after they were relegated early thoughts on how they'll do next season very early thoughts I I, I think they might struggle I think there's a lot that needs to happen there's speculation over Stuart Weber's future who's obviously the sporting director technical director whatever he's coined um, yeah, there's there's a lot uh, that needs to happen. They don't have a Buendia as well. Obviously, he's the he was the big difference maker for a long time, and you could tell they missed him in the Premier League as well. So yeah, it's, it'll be interesting. I don't think they're as better equipped to go straight back up as they have been in the previous years. I I agree. I think if they still had Daniel Farker in charge, I'd be feeling more optimistic about them going straight back up. Dean Smith, I like as a manager, but I'm. I'm a bit on the fence with him as to how good he is at championship level because remember when he had that Villa side a few seasons ago, that was a ridiculously talented Villa side and they did eventually get promoted but I feel like they could have done a lot better in the time he was there. So 
I'm not completely sold on Dean Smith. I think he'd be a perfectly good manager at championship level. But as you say, they've lost Brendia. Will Puki thrive without that service that Brendia provided before? I think the side's weaker than it was the last mm -hmm. time it came down as well. So I'm not sure with Norwich. I Obviously, they've been battling out for the 21st best team in England award for quite some time now, haven't they? By getting promoted from the championship straight away, but mm. getting relegated from the Premier League straight away. I'm not sure if that pattern's going to continue this time around, is my early thinking on that. We now also know who'll be joining us from League One as well. Congratulations to Rotherham and Wigan, who have both been promoted. How do you reckon they'll do next season? I think Wigan are in an interesting position. They've got a very good League One squad. So it'll be interesting to see who they recruit to bolster their ranks for uh, for the championship. Um, again, uh, the, the likes of Will Keane, they've they've had time in the championship and they haven't impressed. But he's coming off the back of a very very good season. Um, Jack Watmo is centre half. He's he's, he's going to be tasting championship football for the first time in his career. So I, I think the jury's out. Rotherham probably a little bit better equipped because of the experience that Paul Warren and they've had. And surely it's about time that they. Stopped yo-yoing, surely. Surely. I'd say one thing <laughs> is this. I think there are four or five teams who are definitely going to be in the Championship next season, who have been in this season, who I'm eyeing up to be battling out for relegation this season. So for the teams who are coming up, I think that's great news because it means there are, there are teams who will be yeah. lower down or potentially mm -hmm. lower down. So I think that's a big positive. So with these two sides... I like them both. I've watched bits of them in League One this season. Rotherham, I know a lot more of because of the time that they were in the Championship from last season. Um, and Paul Warren's a good manager. I think he's a really good manager. So I think both these sides are definitely capable of staying up. And as I say, there are teams who I think will be in worse states as we start next Absolutely. season. So yeah. yeah, I think they've definitely got the potential to both stay up. Um, another team who will be joining us from League One is going to be one of MK Don, Chef Wednesday, Sunderland and Wickham. So that's going to be interesting, isn't it? Some mm. big sides in there. Derby boss Wayne Rooney says he expects the club's takeover to be done within days. I'll wait until I actually see that before I start celebrating. Plenty of contract talk from over the past few days. Justin, Andy Cavill is set to leave West Brom after his contract expires this summer. I imagine... Uh, couple of championship sides maybe looking at him thinking yeah quite you a few. do a bit for yeah. us Cardiff say it's up to Joe Rawls whether he signs a new contract or not his deal is running out this summer he's one of a number of players who is a bit of um and ahhing about whether mm. he's actually going to be at the club next season Stoke midfielder Jordan Thompson has signed a new two-year contract I think his deal is expiring in the summer and Cardiff's chairman says they'd be willing listeners if Gareth Bell wants to return to his hometown the Welsh legend is out of contract this summer and has been persistently linked with a move to his boyhood club I mean willing listeners I'm not surprised at all Justin I'd have just said yes and I wouldn't even say that we'd be willing to listen I'd just say yes yeah just, please, just reply. Please, Gareth, just help one us, word. please. Yeah, just one word, yes. Gareth Bell, yes. you interested in Gareth Bell? Yes, I said. Gareth, we are in a bit of a pickle right now. Please help us. <laughs> SOS signal, out to bail. It's what I'd be doing if I was a Cardiff's chairman. Right, Justin, now it's time for the polls. This is the bit where we ask the listeners three questions on Twitter to see what they think about all things to do with the championship. So the first question we asked was this. Who's going up automatically, Bournemouth or Forest? Oh, I don't know. It is a flip of a coin, isn't it? It's such a flip of a coin. I'm I'm going to go with Bournemouth. I am going to go for Forest. I think I, I, something inside me wants to see the miracle happen <laughs> yeah, of yeah. Forest being unbeaten. Or unbeaten, the opposite of unbeaten. Uh, only having one point from seven games and actually going up. It would just be absolutely sensational. 69% um, of people said Forest. 31% said Bournemouth. How will Norwich do back in the Championship next season? Promotion top six, outside the top six, mid-table or lower? I'm going to say 10th. I think they'll finish like 10th. I can see them getting in top six, I think. I judging from the pattern of teams who have been relegated from the Premier League over the past few years yeah. I suppose oh, yeah. 44% of people said promotion, 40% said top 6 13% said outside top 6, 3% said mid-table or lower and finally fans who have signs asking for shirts get in the bin or leave them alone they're fine it is, I, saw the, um, I saw the West Ham fans at the end of the Europa League game and there was about 7 or 8 of them 
that bugged me. If it's just one and it's isolated, I, I get it. But you've got kids begging for shirts. Mm. I remember one time actually asking for Ian Taylor's boots after a derby game once, and he said no. I think oh. I think players should just say no. Just say no. Just simple just as say that. No. I, I don't understand where this trend has come from, but it does. Yeah. I don't know. It does. It does bug me a bit. I don't really know why it irritates me so much. I think it's because deep inside my cynical Ryan Dilks thinks they're just going to sell the shirt on eBay straight afterwards. They're right nine years that old. That does Ryan. tend to happen. No, but the dad gets involved, doesn't he? <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> that it's definitely happened before. I've I've seen uh, people on Twitter po- pointing out people who were given shirts at games and then they sold it on eBay a lot long afterwards, which just completely ruined it for everyone, doesn't it? They should they should give out bibs. There's this sweaty bibs. We we've all worn bibs, haven't we? Nobody wants. And then they will stop. They will stop asking for them. Mm, Yeah. I'd get rid of it personally. 86% of people said get in the bin. 14% said leave them alone, they're fine. And those people are wrong. Right now it's time for this. Hi, Simon, Chris and Ed. Yes, it's time for Simon Grayson's Hate for Late, the final one of the season, I might add. Welcome back to the show, Rich Ferraro from 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast, and John Spark from Cherry's Red Army. So I'm going to ask the boys here to name eight of a certain subject. All they've got to do is work together to name all eight. So, for example, if I were to say name the teams who have been relegated more than once from the championship since 2004, and Rich would say Rotherham, that's one down, and John would say Barnsley, that's another down. But if Justin would say Everton, then he'd be out. So what you need to do, champs, is give me all eight answers without all of you being eliminated. Well, as we all know, Bournemouth and Forest are fighting out for second place and the two big rivals will need to join forces here to overcome the hateful eight. The question is, can you name the last eight championship teams to finish second in the table? We'll begin with John. Well, I mean, there's an easy one for me because it was uh, it was the team we beat into second place that season, which is Watford. That is absolutely true. I thought you were going to say Bournemouth then. I was like, what? <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. They were promoted last season as well behind Norwich. So that's one down. Rich, your go? Uh, I have no idea. It's not an end of the table I've looked at much over the last ten years. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to just throw one out there and I'm going to suggest uh, Sheffield United. That is absolutely right. They finished second under Chris Wilder three seasons ago. So you've got two out of eight so far. Justin, your go. It's, I find second place teams really difficult to remember. Um, mm. But I'll go with I'll go with West Brom. Yes, they came second behind Leeds a couple of seasons ago. So you got the most recent three. John, your go. This is where I'm going to struggle because obviously I haven't been as focused on the championship for the five years the Bournemouth were in the Prem. Um Oh, God. Um, yeah, I'm going to struggle here. But obviously they came up through the playoffs last time. But considering they've gone up quite often, I'm going to take a punt at Fulham. Fulham is not correct. They got promoted via the playoffs the last two times. Yeah. They uh, went up and this time they're getting promoted as champions from the looks of it, unless Bournemouth really pulls something remarkable off in the last two games. So John's out. That means it's down to Rich and Justin. Rich, it's your go. You've got five to name. This is a real punt, real stab in the dark. Burnley. Burnley's correct. They came second Woo! in 2014 and have been in the Premier League ever since. But that might be coming to an end this season. So you're halfway there. Two of you still in. Justin, your go. I can't remember what happened, uh, how the outcome was in that 15-16 season when Newcastle were down, or 16-17, because it all kicked off in the final few games. But I think Brighton pipped, I can't remember who it was, Middlesbrough to, to second, so I'm going to say Brighton. Brighton is correct. They came second five seasons ago with Chris Hewton. I say as Rick shudders at the thought of Chris Hewton all over again. Um, so you've got... Five so far. Richard Shaw go again. Three remaining. Oh, it's getting tricky now. Um, right. I'm trying to think. They went up through the playoffs. They went up through the playoffs. Playoff teams are easier to remember than second place teams, aren't they? Yeah. Um, 
Okay, uh, Norwich. Norwich is not correct. The two times they got promoted previously, twice as champions, and then promoted via the playoffs um, a few seasons ago. So Rich is out. That means it's down to Justin, the last man standing. You've got three to go, JP. Middlesbrough. They're one of them, aren't they? Yes, they were promoted six seasons ago. You've got two left. Yep, I remember that uh, Cardiff as well. They went up under Neil Warnock. Yes, Neil Warnock promoted four seasons ago. Last one then, Justin. Can you name the final team who's been promoted a second in the championship in the last eight seasons? Well, the last I eight championship teams. I can't remember the years that we've done now. So, um, um, so that, oh, Christ, now I'm under pressure. Um, yeah, my mind's completely blank. I can't remember the years that we've done. And now I'm flapping. This isn't good. Mm. This, this no, is, this is, I'm going to say, I oh, know it wasn't Hull. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm going to go with, I'll go with Hull. Hull finished second behind Cardiff in 2013. You're absolutely right, Justin. Oh, okay. Look at that. It was a shot in the dark, but he got there in the end. And that's the final Simon Grayson's hateful eight of the season, ladies and gentlemen. Thank God we finished on a good mark. And the two rivals who are facing each other on Tuesday managed to stick together without scrapping for too long. So this has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again in midweek. Thank you to our guests on the show this week. John Spark from the Bournemouth YouTube channel, Cherry's Red Army. Thank you for your time today. No problem. Thanks for digging me out on that one, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> also here is rich ferraro from the 1865 the nottingham forest podcast thank you for your time today rich thank you and uh well done justin that was a phoenix from the ashes <laughs> it absolutely was what a man this has been the second tier podcast we'll be back again on thursday i've been ryan dilks i've been justin peach thank you for listening This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.